What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Also, check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Um, I'm so happy uh, to have everybody who listens. And thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he didn't sober it up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess, here's your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here's your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here's your ex-drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble and reminisce about crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Reminisce about old stories. Most weeks I'll be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from Atlanta, now in New York City, Michael Rowland. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. What's up, man? Uh, you know, I'm excited to be here. I, lo- I love telling uh, stories about getting fucked up because, you know, I used to be a big uh, boozer myself and now I'm not drinking, so. There you go. See, it's, it's always, uh, I love having people on the podcast who used to be big drinkers and don't drink at all Yeah, because they always have the best stories. There's a reason they stopped drinking. I think Atlanta, I, I, I was talking to my buddy about this yesterday where it's just like the culture in Atlanta when I was there, especially doing comedy was like yeah. dude we we were getting fucked we were like we were just dirt bags we were uh, me and all my friends were fucking dirt bags just running around atlanta just getting stupid fucking love it man we'll yeah. plug everything before we get too far into it plug everything up front i mean you have a podcast i do i plug have a podcast that, that this I will do. come out in 10 days so okay i i have a podcast that i run with my, one of my best friends from atlanta also he also doesn't drink now he was i mean he was a big fun time guy <laughs> And we have a podcast together called In the Minivan, where we just talk about music and, and you know stand up comedy and st- what we got going on. We make some music ourselves. It's a fun time. Oh, that's awesome! It's we call it In the Minivan because it's based on what we used to do in my minivan I had in high school <laughs> when we were kids, which is just talk about music and bullshit. So it's a fun time. Check that out. What I'm plugging. I mean, I, social I, media, any dates oh, you got coming up? Social media, you can catch me on Instagram at Michael Roland O underscore O. And the dates I have coming out. Are are up or way out? I just found out I'm going to be headlining at the Laughing Skull Lounge. Oh shit! In Atlanta, Back the home. weekend of Thanksgiving. Yeah, they're going to let me uh, headline my home club. This is huge, dude. That's awesome. I know. I'm very excited. Well, we're big in the South, so everybody in Atlanta, come out. Savannah. Dude, I asked the club, and I was like, "They're not going to let me do this," and they let me do it. I was like, dude, well, "Get the fuck out of here." That's so, sick, man. Congratulations. Be, thank you, thank you. That'll be November 25th and 26th, and then before that, I'm going to be. Going around, touring around. I'm going to hit Pittsburgh. I'm going to be in Chattanooga. I'm going to be in West Virginia. Dates on the website? Dates on the website. This is going to be in November, uh, roughly November 10th, all the way up to November 19th. Okay. Website is michaelrolandcomedy.com or mikerolland.com. Not michaelrolland.com. Yeah, we do not. I do not have michaelrolland.com. Some fucking designer. Some fucking designer that doesn't even keep the website up to date. He's got michaelrolland.com and... I keep messaging him and he won't get back to me because he doesn't because <laughs> he doesn't check it. He just sits no, on he it just like sits, an asshole. Yeah. 
Well, I, I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, you and I uh, both are from the South. Yes. You've been up here a little longer than I have, but I remember my first week or two living in New York, I went to the cellar and you came on and you were wearing an, 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 an Atlanta Braves hat. Yes. And you had that little twang in your voice. And I was like, this son of a bitch. <laughs> and then you started talking about being from Atlanta. Right, so when right. you, I think it was either that night or a few nights later, I asked you, cause I know a lot of the Atlanta comics, obviously being from Jacksonville, we all kind of cross paths. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Hey, do you know like Chris Buck and like a few other people? And you're like, yeah. Of course I do. And I was right. like, this is crazy, I man. know, I know. And Dude, ever since then, I've been like keeping an eye on everything I, you got going I just, on. I just connected two more names. Do you remember Spencer Ruiz yeah. and fucking Patrick Dalton? Yeah. Dude, them boys. Yeah. Yo, those dudes, man, I uh, when I was still back in Atlanta, I think they were there for like a year before I left. Yeah, because they. Uh, I know Spencer moved out of Jacksonville to Atlanta. Yeah. So he must have been moving in as you were kind of moving out. But we, we crossed paths, I think, for about a year. We were... We were doing comedy Atlanta together, but then after that, I, like when I go back to Atlanta, I try to make music with those two. Yeah, they go by Dem Boys. Yeah, and my buddy Chris, Chris is lame from Savannah, and it, dude, they're so funny and they're so good. That was the thing about Atlanta that I still I'm realizing now. Everybody moved there or is from there is like pretty musical. They like yeah, to it's do, a big music town. Yeah, absolutely, and it's reflected in the comedy. A lot of the comedians have talent like that. Oh, yeah. It well, I cool. wanted to talk to you, because you're in New York now, Yeah. Um, but you are, like you said, you are a Southern boy, um, and so I wanted to kind of, before we get into some of the crazy stories, which I'm sure we're going to run into as we talk about this, but oh, I kind of wanted to get to know Michael. Like, how did you get started in stand-up? Like, what, what drove you? Are you originally from Atlanta? Yeah, I'm from Atlanta, the northern suburbs, Sandy Springs, but this, them's the closest suburbs you can have, baby. Yeah. They're close. Part of Sandy Springs is inside the perimeter. Uh, <laughs> not the, And just just to be clear, the, the Not Atlanta song, she never brings up Sandy Springs. So as far as I'm concerned. You're in Atlanta. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's going to be some pushback to what I just said, but that's natural. <laughs> Um, I grew up, yeah, in Sandy Springs. Um, my mom got me into it. Yeah? Yeah, because I was like a really talkative kid. And my mom's a very sweet mom. She was like, we should channel we should channel his talkative. Bit. Oh, okay. So she put me in this thing back in Atlanta. There was a summer camp called Kid Comedy. Where it was and how old by, are you when this happened? Dude, like when I went to the summer camp, I must have been like 10 years old. Okay. So she caught it early. Early. And I don't usually talk about this because, you know, people ask you how long you've been doing. It's like, I really like started in college, but there was like this whole period. My mom legitimately was like, you should try this. Sent me to a summer camp that other kids were at. And then the lady, after she had the summer camp, had like classes she had stand up one and stand up two. Oh wow and i was one of the few students that like took her stand up one and her stand up two. so you were way out in front of this i mean for for a minute my my mom clocked it they sent me to a theater camp when i was in like second grade at georgia tech they okay were like he's a talkative kid put him in theater and i remember they saw my little end of the week performance at theater camp and they were like oh this kid this kid's got something. This kid's got My parents were like, I remember them like coming to me after that. And they're like, holy, oh, shit. <laughs> like they were excited. That's I awesome. Like, oh. I know. I forget about this sometimes. Well, because it only, because it have, I've had, I've done over a hundred episodes now. And I've interviewed a lot of people from actors to musicians, mainly comics, because that's my main stream yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm involved in. But I've interviewed a lot of different people. And it's so interesting to me. It's fascinating the different reasons they get into certain things. Yeah. And with comics... 
a lot of it, like I've had people all the way from saying like, well, I liked attention and the easiest way to get it was to go to open mics. And then I ended up getting kind of good at it Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way to people like me where it's like, I study Lenny Bruce. Like I'm obsessed with the art of comedy yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. incredibly pretentious and kind of a tool, but th- like, that's my style is I, I, I'd study it. Like it's yeah, like, a, yeah. like a text or something. And I've had everywhere in between. But I think this is the first time I've ever had a guest on. Like, I've had guests on with supportive parents. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first time I've had a guest on where they're like, oh, no, like, they got me in early because yeah, they yeah. could see it coming. My mom, That's my, awesome, man. That's insane. It is. It is pretty cool. I do think there's part of me that I think was embarrassed to say it because I think I should be like further along because you think of guys that start, <laughs> but you think of guys you that should start be like Chappelle because he started yeah, in high yeah, school. And it's like he had like I'm 31. Chappelle had the Chappelle show, so I'm like ah, it's it didn't give me. It's not like it gave me this big boost, but I think it gave me a pretty good deep appreciation of stand up and that lady. Um, that taught me when I was a kid like she started with basic she started with like Henny Youngman and Abbott and Costello bits and like all this stuff but dude my mom was like forcing my mom gave me pictures of like Bill Cosby (laughs) fucking gave me a picture of Robin Williams gave me a picture of Bill Murray and I think Jeff Foxworthy was the fourth of one. Of course. And gave him to me to like hang. That was your Mount Rushmore, on those my four. Wall when I was a kid, as de- as decided by my mom. But yeah, I remember Jeff Foxworthy early on. I was really into Jeff Foxworthy. So did you, were you, before you do the summer thing, are you into stand up? Is your mom having. I don't having remember. You? I don't know if okay. my memory goes back. I didn't before. know if it was. But I've always had an the older egg. brother that's really into stand-up i've always had the older brother that's been like this is cool this is funny is he super Look like this uh supportive now that you're yeah yeah he's great yeah I, yeah he loves to hear my good news and he's always like oh yeah and i give him a lot of credit because he just showed me a lot when i was a kid and i think it's still one of my favorite things is to like share a good laugh with my siblings because that's when it does feel like oh yeah we're we're brother and sister. Yeah, like, we, we all it. like this shit. It's because, you know, we grew up, it was like a TV family. So I forget how I got here. But Well, no, we were talking about stand-up. And I, I can genuinely uh, relate to that because my family's, we're Eastern European and we've gone through some stuff. So we all have very dark senses of humor. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. And so sometimes my whole vision gets skewed when it comes to comedy because we'll be sitting around like making jokes about like suicide or something and yeah, we're all yeah. laughing and then I'll be like, oh, that might be a bit. And then I take it to the stage and everyone's like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, I got to work on that. Bit. <laughs> it's so funny. You say you say your family's got a dark sense of humor and I've never tried to categorize my family's sense of humor, but it's definitely, it's not dark. It's like, it's like silly. Silly? My brother and sister really like like really silly. Yeah. Stupid shit. I have people tell me all the time shit. they go, "Man, you're really funny, but if you could just be a little sillier like to get the audience going." I'm always like, "Yeah, I know." Sorry, I know. I have, my family's Eastern European. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. <laughs> what is it? What country? Uh the former Yugoslavia. Oh, so fucking like, cool. Yeah, Serbian, Bosnian, a bunch yeah, of different. Yeah, yeah. Is it angriest people in the world is that would you sort of consider that's like the area where like europe and the middle east sort of converge or yeah like? actually yeah there's um there's yeah so it's, it's so yugoslavia's here and like russia's up here right and then europe europe's over here and then it kind of starts to get into that yeah it's like a very interesting yeah because then you get like into algeria and kazakhstan and uzbekistan what, and what then the middle empire east. were they part of before that was it in like the astro-hungarian empire yeah, was yeah, it yeah. outside it was yeah, yeah yeah okay so it's all it's all that same kind of 
just mean, angry, angry. But it was Astro Hungarian, and then it became Russian. Well, so then, the so then, it was the Persian thing happened, and then the Russian thing. Wow, this is so. So you, those are the three, four. You okay? You got the Persian. You got the yeah. Russian. You got and the then it, and then it, um, after World War One, it evolved into Yugoslavia. Right. And then it broke apart because Serbia was the main nation. Yeah. And then Croatia was way over here, and they're like, "We're out of here. We're our own nation." And then yeah. everyone else was like, "Hey, we're gonna do that." And Serbia yeah. was like, "The fuck you are." So it's it's still super contentious. Yeah, oh yeah, there? very much so. Right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, they just had a more recent genocide, right? Yeah. And uh, fucking, I was just talking Albania. Uh, yeah, that's off? not a part of it, but okay, yeah, yeah, my yeah. bad. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I got we, we during the nineties. Um, there was a mass genocide of Serbian Orthodox just massacring the Muslim population. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because not. I mean. I met. I don't know if you know Elvis. He's a a, a Bosnian Muslim. Comic. I would I would remember you meeting know, a Bosnian Muslim well, named Elvis. I feel like so he tours a lot in the southeast and stuff. That's how I met him. Uh -huh. um, well, he tours all over the country. But I remember I'm not because I'm second generation. So my grandmother grew up during the war, the Civil War, right? And then she fled to America with my grandfather. And I remember. Uh, we just always knew we were Serbian. Yeah. Because it's 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 law of blood. It's not where you're born. It's where your bloodline's from. Right. Most of Europe is like that. It's called uh, Us uh, Seguamente instead of Us Soli, which is the law of the soil. So if you're born in America, you're American. In Holy Europe, shit. it doesn't matter where you're born. Your nationality is based on your bloodline. Wow. This is so, it's so interesting. So, okay. Okay. I all, I say all that just to say this one funny part. I he said he was from Bosnia, and I was like, oh my god, my grandmother was born in Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia. Yeah. she's Serbian by blood, but that's where she was born. And so I went up to him after his set, and I was like, dude, not even thinking. I go, dude, I'm Serbian, and he was like, went ghost white because the Serbian Orthodox were genocide against the Bosnian Muslims. And yeah, he's yeah, a Bosnian yeah. Muslim. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, you're from Bosnia. That's crazy. I'm from Serbia. And he was just like, okay. And oh, like shit. started backing away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I told my grandmother about this. She goes, you idiot, you idiot. <laughs> she goes, we were not those kinds of Serbians. You don't tell anybody that. And I was like, oh my God. Is that, I don't want to overstep here, but is that being like, <laughs> you're a Jew? Yeah. My family's from Germany. Nazis. Oh, okay. Sorry, I took it too far. <laughs> not, yeah. I mean, you can definitely do my family's from Germany, but you wouldn't go up and say it with glee. Like, That's exactly yeah, what, yeah, how yeah, I did it. Yeah, It'd be yeah, like, yeah. you're Jewish? Oh my God, I'm from Germany. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Cause, dude, I love. I didn't even put that together until I told my grandma. And she was pissed. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to. Um, I don't. Know, we got off on a tangent there. But let's bring it uh, back to you. It's so, funny because now never mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go we got ahead. plenty of time. No, man. no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was gonna say. So we got on that because we were talking about my family has a darker sense of humor, and you guys are sillier. And so. I know that's how it is with my cousin because he's the one who introduced me to stand up. So whenever anything happens, like I had a show with the seller a few Mondays ago and uh -huh. I immediately like after the show texted him and sent him the picture. And because I'm not past there, they were like, don't post anything. Like just keep it on the QT. And I was like, all right, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I still like screenshotted the picture and sent it sent to him. Cousin, and yeah. he was like, fuck yeah, dude. Cause he's the one who got me into stand up in the first place. Hell yeah. So do you do that kind of stuff with your brother? Like when you got past at the seller, was he your first call? I don't know if he was my first call. He was definitely a Up call. There? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just called him. I had some good news that I got to call him with yesterday. And he's still an older brother. He'll still like give me advice about stuff and all yeah. that, you know? But yeah. Do you, do you ever be like, I got it, man. 
I have to sometimes. <laughs> I have to occasionally be like, thank you, thank you very much. I, People in my family do that too. They're really? like, you were so good at impressions. Do the impressions thing. And I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Like, my I mom it, says that word for word all the time. She's like, why aren't you doing more impressions? I'm like, she's not wrong. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, she's I, should, I should do some impressions, but just leave me alone. Leave me alone about it. <laughs> my mom, every time she calls, will just start, oh my God. She'll just drag it out and be like, you should work clean. You should really just, why don't you just make it a challenge for yourself, make it a fun challenge where you just say, hey, I'm going to do five minutes clean. You just start with five minutes and then you build. Oh, is that how it works, mom? Yeah. It's, I'm like, I got it. I got it. She's going to watch this. She might. She's got Google alerts for everything that happens. And I'm going to put the, I always make sure to put the name in the SEO title. Oh, is that so right? That way it pops up when yeah. people Google She's you. She's going to love this. <laughs> well, I wanted to, um. So when did you start comedy? You said you, you kind of, when you people ask you, you could say, I started in college. Yeah. So where did you go to college? I went to California State University at Northridge. Oh, so you went to school out on in the West Coast. Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In okay, so you San didn't even Fernanda start. Valley. Yeah, you didn't even start comedy in Atlanta. I mean, if we're counting being a kid, I did. Well, yeah. And, and then I got to perform at the punchline in Atlanta as a kid like, twice get out of here yeah so that's I when like, you started comedy you've been I, in comedy for 20 years i opened for a local guy that was big in the southeast named jerry farber and i opened for him on thanksgiving eve when i was like 11 or 12 get out of here man yeah you've been doing comedy 20 years no i haven't it doesn't <laughs> count i got into I, I got into theater after that i went to because i was going to catholic school in atlanta on the north side until eighth grade and then after that, my grades weren't that good. And I was like, I was into performing arts and shit. And it happened that the school in the neighborhood was a great performing arts high school. It was a magnet school. So oh, everybody cool. could come from all over Atlanta and go to that school. And it was a mile from my house. And they were like, they had an amazing theater program. Because that's what I got into in middle school was yeah. theater more than stand up. And so I went to that school, got into theater. And then I got into film production. And from getting into film production, I went out to... LA to go to Cal State Northridge okay. for their film production school. And is that, you were out there all four years, five all years? Five years. I dropped out for a year and did straight stand up from like, from like 21 to 22. Okay. And then I went back and finished college when I was like 23, 24. So what happened that triggered you to drop out completely to do stand up? Were um, you doing open mics out there? Or were yeah, you I was doing, I started doing like the in school mics, maybe when I was 18. So I do them once every couple months yeah. when they were on campus. And then I remember I was trying to do a class. It was like, I had to take some bullshit music class or science class to satisfy my basic. Yeah, your prerequisites and all that. Yeah. So I did. I was doing this this physics of music. <laughs> I was taking it online, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I like music, and I like maybe it'll make me like physics." And I started taking this class, and I was like, "I fucking." <laughs> And so I remember I just like stopped doing that work and started like working on a stand-up set. And then I went to a club that I could get to by bus because I didn't have a car in Los Angeles Okay. until like three or four years in. So I would take the bus to this other bus slash train that would get me to the edge of the valley in North Hollywood to a club called the Ha Ha Cafe. And I started doing open mics there. And then I started getting more adventurous and venturing out, you know, to other mics like at Marty's on <laughs> Sunset, which anybody, I don't know if anybody listening to this remembers Marty's, but <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, I was trying to do school and that. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm going to – my grandmother passed away and she left me like a little bit of money. And I was like, I'm dropping out of school. Okay. I'm going to fucking do my thing. I'm going to do stand-up. And I lived on my buddy's couch and started doing stand-up. Ran out of money in like fucking four months. There you go. Five months. I was also trying to start a t-shirt company with my friend, and it turned out he was stealing a bunch oh, of my no. money. So I lost I lost my friend in this t-shirt company. And then I ended up having to move in and work at this hostel on Venice Beach because I didn't have money, but you could work at this hostel cleaning rooms and they would let you live there for free. And that was a wild time where I just I stopped doing comedy. I went and did a show on Venice Beach. Like I, I just like talked to a guy at this bar by the hostel. Yeah. And he was like, We'll have you do a set in between our band. And I was like, Cool, yeah. Oh no. And I went up and I was nervous about it. So I got drunk and then I went on stage and I bombed like super hard. Yeah. Like, brutal and i had invited everybody from the hostel and the guy that booked me this is the worst i ever got heckled i don't even know if it counts as a heckle but i was on stage and the dude that booked me on it from off stage looks at me and through the silence he goes i thought you were funny man oh it was like the most brutal thing i stopped doing stand-up for like two months after that yeah and so you had left college to pursue stand-up and then after that you just stopped after I moved into the hostel, I was sort of all in on like being a cool hostel guy. Okay. I was like going down to Venice Beach every day. I was walking around barefoot, <laughs> bumming cigarettes. I thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever done. All right. All and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, that ended and I was living on my buddy's couch. I went back to doing stand up and making music with like my friends until my friend Brian was like, you need to go back to school. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. they were like, hey, man, you're almost done. Just go yeah, finish. Just go finish. So I went back to school. And then when I went back to school, you know, my parents were like, here is some money. Yeah. Because that was the thing. They were like, we're not going to pay for you to, to hang a, out. Yeah. To be we're Matthew like, McConaughey. That was their big thing. They were, they were always like, we, we're good parents. We're going we're gonna to pay for school. And that's what we can do. And then after that, you're on your own. Yeah. So I went back to school, you know. I finished and then I did a year of stand up in LA before I was like, I need to go back to Atlanta. So you decided even after doing stand up in LA, instead of going, staying in LA or going to New York, you were like, I need to go home. Yeah. Cause I was like, fuck this. Who wants to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be an LA comedian. I was like, I'm from Georgia. I yeah. was like that. My whole family's from Georgia. And I went back to Atlanta. And that, at that point, Max, my buddy Max, who I do the podcast with, had started doing comedy. So he was getting around the Atlanta scene. He like knew what to do and he knew people and yeah. how to get around. So he's like, he had done a deep dive on it. So he's like, let me take you around. Let me show you what this is. And I remember I went back and visited and I saw it. I was like, oh, this is better. Like, I met dudes that were like a year in that were funnier than me and I had been doing it three years in LA and it's just because they got the stage time yep. and they had a supportive place and they had a cool place, cool places to get up, you know? Well, and that's the thing about like I've noticed in New York since I moved here. So I got here and I don't have like a big, fu- cause I, I still to this day, I rail against social media. I hate it Yeah, because I, I find a lot of people are putting up bits before they're ready or they're just doing like, oh, destroys a heckler and then they throw it up and then 
people see that and then they start to think like, oh, we're a part of comedy shows. Like the audience is supposed to shout out because oh, sure. that's everything I see online. Yeah, yeah. Is the comics going back and forth with audience. So I've always like railed against it, but that's also because I'm very bad at it. Sure, I'm so, bad at it too. So I'm always just like, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, that fucking, that shit sucks versus get better at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard, dude. But then like Burner put me on a couple of her TikTok things. And I got like a bunch of people texting me from back home. Like, do you know Hannah? Like, is this you with Hannah Burner? And I'm like, yeah. And I always, I was wearing my merch because it was after a recording day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I sold like three or four shirts from it. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this social media of thing. Of course, of course. But it's interesting. So when I get up here, I don't have a huge following. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, guys, I've been doing comedy like 10 years. I've got an hour. I've got the podcast. Like, where do I, where do I go? To get my, you know, where's the vice president of New York comedy so yeah, I can yeah, get yeah. my, you know, my ticket. And they were like, oh, no, open mics, dude. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. Like, I've been doing open mics for a day. Like, I've, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. beyond open mics. And they go, yeah, the open mics, man. They're bro, that way. Bro. And so now yeah. I've almost become like how Max was with you when you went to Atlanta. I've become that for Florida comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially Northeast comics. When they come up here, they're always like, hey, man. And I'll take them around to mics and introduce them to people and do that whole thing. Yeah. Because I've now gone through it for the last year. Yeah. So you get to Atlanta and you have to do that same kind of thing. Yes. But I have, I have some advantages where I'm from Atlanta. Yeah. My family's there. You know, I, I move back in with my parents till I can find a place. And I... But... I'm from there, but I also have like three years of experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, elsewhere. So it's like I am sort of this alien that moved in. Like there was other people that that tried to do that to like move from LA to Atlanta to get more stage time. And they were presumptuous about it. And people were like, fuck you. Like, yeah. who the fuck are you? I at least had the advantage of also having a friend that was like, this is my friend, Michael. Yeah. And he is from here. But he's also been doing stand-up somewhere else. So it's like I was able to get on shows and like and do pretty well. So that was the hardest thing when I moved to New York was not knowing anybody. Dude, when I moved to New York, I knew people and it was like I was hitting mics like a motherfucker. And that was when I was drinking when I moved to New York. Yeah. And I was like grateful that I was because I was just like, this is brutal. It at sucks. Least, at least I could. I, I think I had a lot of, dude, my thing, I would get little bottles of pop off. Yeah. Bro, or little, no, little bottles of fucking Smirnoff. Yeah. Oh, I miss it. That was my go-to. Dude, because it's so cheap and it's like, it's like, you want to, you're about to have a brutal night of mics. You can turn it up. You can make it a <laughs> little fun. You can make fun. it happen. You can make it fun, dude. Well, I used to do, I used to joke with everybody because I tell people that towards the end of my alcoholism, well, you know, towards the end of my drinking, I would do a handle of Smirnoff and a pack of cigarettes. It would cost me $18.93 out the fucking door. Yeah. And I was set for Dude, the night. Dude, in Jacksonville, it Whew. was a handle in a fucking pack of smokes for 18 Let's go. That's crazy. Yeah, man. How, how far through the handle would you get? I could finish a handle in 36 hours. What? Yeah. Oh, man. It's good you stopped. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good you well, the, stopped. The reason I stopped, Holy and shit. I've told this, the Holy listeners know this, shit. the reason I stopped was on my 30th birthday, I had gotten... I wasn't going to drink. I had no plans on drinking. And I had gotten, I got home from work and I worked at a brunch place. So I got home at like two and I sat on my couch and I was like, man, I'm 30 now. Like I had not making any progress in my comedy career. You know, I wasn't doing anything with my degrees. My twin sister, who was the troublemaker, was now married with kids and owned a home and was like living that, you know, the happy life. Yeah. 
and I was waiting tables still at yeah. 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got so angry with myself. I was like, fuck this. And I went and I got a handle, drank the whole thing. And then the next, I uh, ended up getting another. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> I ended up in the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Oh my God. And when the doctor came in, he was like, yeah, man, we... Y- People who come in with this blood alcohol content are normally, they don't wake up. And I was like, yeah, well, I've been training for this my whole life. And he was like, yeah, you should have been dead hours ago. Like, this isn't funny. And I was like, all right, maybe this, maybe it's time to. <laughs> Is that when you hung it up? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was Good my 30th birthday. So it was May 29th, 2018. And my sobriety date is May 31st. That's a great story though. Your 30th birthday, you give yourself alcohol poisoning. Bad and then, too. And then you, yeah, bad. And then you, and then you just are like, yeah, I'll stop. <laughs> well, I had been, I <laughs> went to great. rehab in 2013. Like uh-huh. I had a problem because I was living with my cousin in Oklahoma City for like three months. Brutal. And I was getting drunk every day and going to Mike's mm-hmm. because I was, that's just what I did. Yeah. But I would run the light. So I was like much, I was way out of shape, but like I was still 6'1". I was like 280 or 260, but I was a former division one athlete. So none of these nerds are going to pull me off stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be at a mic and I'd do like 12 minutes of like an Arnold impression just hammered out of my mind. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, don't give me the light. You get the light. Holy shit. For like 12 minutes. You're a terrorist, dude. It was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember my cousin came to me and he said, hey, man, listen, we write together a lot. You've been doing comedy since 2009. So you've been doing comedy for like five years on and off. He's like, listen. If you can keep your shit together for 30 days and just stay sober and like go to Mike's and be respectful of the light and do the right thing, I'll reach out to people and I'll get you on some showcases and we'll start doing comedy for real up here. And I was like, all right, bet. I made it 28 days. Damn. And started drinking again. And when he came into the back room and he's like, what happened? I looked at him and I said, I have no, I don't know. And so that's when I went to rehab and then I still didn't get sober for like five more years. Sure, but yeah. it was going to the hospital and the doctor was like, yeah, man, like this is it. You like, got you gotta make a choice. And argue. so I I at that point I hit my bottom and I sure. was like, All right, I'm done. And that's when I dove headfirst back into comedy and I was like, Fuck this, I'm going to New York, like yeah. I'm doing the thing. But then to back to the point we were talking about, I got here and I've been here for a year and I knew a couple of people when I moved here, like Matt Fulcheron, who's become a friend over the last decade or so, and like a couple other people here and there. So I thought like knowing one or two people it would help. But the scene is so big. It's vast. It's it's insane. Even if you know 10 people, it's still not enough no. to make an impact. I meet new people all the time. Yeah. Dude, I was with, I was at JFL New Faces with a guy and I was like, where are you from, Pat? And he was like, New York. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. I should know that. Really? And then I looked at him on Instagram. I was like, fuck me, man. I'm really out of touch <laughs> with some shit. You know what I mean? Well, and it's just hard because it's such a big scene. Yeah. Because like huge. It it's still huge. happens. I, I work around the corner from the stand, which is why I go to the stand a lot more than I go to the cellar. And I go to hang out and stuff after work or like I'll, I do the run of mics in the afternoon. So I'll mm-hmm. be at mics from like one to six. Then I go home, I change, and then I go to the stand and that's where I'll get dinner and like hang out and network with people and stuff. And that's how I've booked a lot of people for the show and it's been very beneficial. Mm-hmm. But there's still some nights I go to the stand and I look at the lineup I don't know a single like I know who the comics are but I don't know any of them personally and I was like I come here three or four nights a week for the last year and I've met hundreds of people and they still have shows where I don't know anybody and I'm like this is insane it's a fucking nuts thing I I meet people all the time where they're like yeah I do this every (laughs) night and you're like where 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 
So I want to get back. You're in Atlanta. You're Max is taking you around. You're getting to know everybody. How long were you back in that scene before you decided to move to New York? I think a little over three years. And are you drinking a lot and partying when you're back home? Woo, buddy. Yeah? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I know you referenced it at the top. You guys I was were having just... fun. Dude, Atlanta, yeah, you get a little you get a little drunk. Dude, oh my God. Either you you're fucking hanging around East Atlanta Village, maybe you're at Starbar Little Five Points doing, you know, it's the whiskey beer combo, boilermakers. Yeah. Maybe a Miller High Life for me. A lot of people like PBR and that well whiskey. And you get a little dirty coke. <laughs> <laughs> Have a have a have a night. I mean that that brings me to the first story. I think was um, the first time, or no, the second time I stopped drinking at length. Because my whole thing is like I'll stop drinking for stretches. Yeah, I'll take long breaks. But this one was like bad. I probably should have just stopped for good after. <laughs> what happened, dude? I fucking okay. So I was at the Laughing Skull Lounge in Atlanta, and ah, this must have been like. It was over five years ago. Okay. I think. So like 26? 26. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm walking outside. I'm already kind of drunk. We had just done shows. There's a bar. That, now, are uh, you doing, at this point in your career, are you doing shows? Or are these open mics? Or are you actually like showcases? I'm doing shows. I'm doing okay. shows. I'm one of the more established comics okay. in Atlanta. So you I got back to Atlanta in uh, 24? And, yes. Yeah, twenty four, and then two years later, now you're doing shows, showcases. Everything's stuff like good. That. Yeah, yeah. I um, I like how you uh, uh, threw that little uh, qualifier on there. The, the scene I run in. I'm, I mean, no, that's, just because it's, it's like Atlanta's like New York. It's a big. There's a big scene there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, yes. Okay, so <laughs> I'm at the Laughing Skull Lounge, just connected to the Vortex, which is a bar. We're drinking there. I come outside. There's this homeless dude that's got all this Navy memorabilia. He's like, I was in the Navy. I was like, oh, my dad was in the Navy. And he was like, oh, yeah? And I was like, yeah, my dad was a CB, which that's like a naval engineer. Okay. Um, it's a specific wing of the Navy. And the homeless guy was like, man, I always wanted to be a CB. And I was like drunk. So I was like, well, brother, how about you come in this bar and I buy you a couple drinks? And he comes in, homeless dude, and I'm just buying shots and beers. I can't even afford this. And <laughs> I get this dude hammered. I get myself hammered and to the point where I have to leave. And I leave this homeless guy with like two beers and a shot. And I'm like, all right, bye. And then I leave and I'm wasted. And I think the norm in Atlanta at that time was like, you, you know, you can get away with driving drunk if you're, you know, not an idiot about it. You keep it in the road. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be accepted, at least to me. And <laughs> um, I, you know, I went to my car. <laughs> it's a progressive thing. You get too comfortable doing it. <laughs> okay. Well, at least to me. <laughs> I'm trying to make excuses for myself. The car drives itself. I tell people this all the time. I go with power steering and the technology nowadays, 10 and 2, and it'll just stay straight. Yeah, you just keep it straight. But I, uh, listen, I go to Taco Bell. We don't Bell. condone drinking and driving Not at here all. on extra. Not at buddy. all. Not at all. Please don't do it. Oh, God. It I've just, gotten two DUIs. It worries me just worst. thinking about it. And this DUI has fucked me since then. It's just not yeah. worth it. Never do it. Dude, I had to pay $1,800 to a Canadian lawyer just to go to Canada. Yeah, that's it. I talk. 
long story short, there's a podcast I really like, and we were all getting on a Zoom call, all the fans of it, because it's not that big. So we were doing a Zoom call during the pandemic, and they have a lot of Canadian listeners. And one of them happened to be a defense attorney in Canada. So I straight up asked her. I was like, hey, Montreal, JFL, like that's a big deal. I was like, can I ever go to Canada? She said I had to wait five years from my probation to go. Mm -hmm. Like the end of my probation, I had to wait five years. So that's two years after the DUI itself. Right. So five years after probation, I have to pay $4,000 in like fines. And then I had to hand write a letter to the magistrate about like uh, apologizing for my actions. I, uh, I hand wrote a letter and I paid this lawyer and he got me a temporary residence permit. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Because they take DUIs real seriously. They do, Canada. but I will say when I was coming over the border, it felt like <laughs> it felt like it didn't matter as really? much as the lawyer wanted me to feel like it My mattered. girlfriend all the time was like, we'll just go up there and then just, just scan the passport. And I was like, no, the computer they, sound I off. I mean, and- that's what they say is that you're when they scan the passport, your FBI record comes up. Okay. It's true. Because Kanane said he had to be, he had to go back. Well, this is the thing is Kanane made a bunch of trips up there with no problem and then you know, all it takes is one trip. It's dependent on the person at the, the person yeah. at the border. It really is. Anyway, so you're hammered. You leave the bar. I go to Taco Bell. You're uh, driving at this point. I'm driving at this. You're point. You're mobile. I'm mobile. I go through the Taco Bell line. I order food. <laughs> In the Taco Bell line, I get a text from my buddy Andrew Markle, who's a great comedian, but it was also a manager at the Vortex at that time. And he goes, "Hey, you're banned from the Laughing Skull." And I was like, "What?" And he goes, Michael, you brought a homeless man inside the bar, you got him drunk, and then you left him there. <laughs> You're banned. And I was, you, you paid your tab though, right? Yeah. Okay. But Because the whole time when you said I left and I was wasted, I was like, oh, you didn't pay your bill. I paid and, the bill. Okay. <laughs> but Andrew said I was banned. They were mad. <laughs> they were mad. But I was like, it'll be fine. <laughs> you brought a homeless and then man. I black out and I wake up. And I have a cop banging on my window, and my car has hit a pole. Holy shit. Yeah. So I wake up to a cop banging on my window going, stop the car. Stop. And uh, apparently what happened was the cop found me pulled over on the side of the road. I had half the burrito eaten, and it was resting on my stomach. And I had fallen asleep. Um, The cop comes and knocks on the window. I wake up. I wave at him. And then I just drive away. (laughs) 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 Okay. Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) Hey. <laughs> so, so, oh, oh, I said, yeah, you're right. I'll get out of here. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry officer. about that. And I don't remember this, but I drive away and I drive away very slowly. And the cop follows in pursuit very slowly. And I think I drive for like a mile away. I cross over into another lane of traffic with Is the he, cop. Does he have the behind. lights on and he stuff? He has the lights on. He's buzzing me. He's calling me. I recently read the police report <laughs> don't again. Don't do that. I know. It's such... And <clears throat> he follows me. He follows me. I cross over two lanes of traffic. I slowly come up on a curb. I hit that pole. And then I come to basically trying to accelerate through the pole, which for me was, I think, the scariest part. Um, was realizing, you know, he takes me, arrests me, puts me in holding, 
Um, but I just remember sitting and holding being like, I was like, I wake up trying to accelerate through something. I was like, that's horrifying. Yeah. That my brain is shut off and then my, but your I was body's still like, like go, we gotta go, go. We gotta go. It's yeah. like, who could I have, dude, it was like, I mean, it was mortifying to think about who I could have hurt or what I could have done. And I'm not saying this to like earn points, but even thinking about it now, it's like, it really, it like fucks me up. It, I, I it, used to. The same Ooh. thing when I was in college and stuff. I used to look out my apartment window. I'd wake up after a blackout and yeah. I'd look out my apartment window and my car so many times sideways in a parking spot. Oh, God. Dude. And I go down and you check for blood and like, holy yeah, shit. Well, Cause you have to like, I don't know. I yeah. don't even remember leaving the bar. God damn. Dude. I remember. Yeah. I, I was put in holding for a while. What was the official charge? I mean, dude, there were like six. I was going to say, because both DUIs I've gotten, one, I wasn't even driving. I was sitting in a parked car. So all I got was the DUI. Right. This, the first one, they said I hesitated at a light. Um, the light turned from red to green. I was with a girl and I was like talking to her. So I wasn't paying attention. And I looked up and I go, oh, green light. And I went. They had been following me since I Oof. left the bar. Yeah. They knew I was hammered. They just, they can't pull you over under suspicion. They, they need they to ha do They something. have to have a reason. Right. So they pulled me over for uh, like endangerment or like whatever, because I didn't go through the light fast enough. Yeah. But they got me. But both times it was like, there was no accident. Thank God. There was nothing happened. It was just like, they were like, oh, this guy's wasted. We got to catch yeah. him. So both times I had just gotten a DUI, but you I got ran from charges. a cop. Yeah. I got seven charges. God. And uh, at that point, I mean, I got out of jail. I remember my mom came and picked me up. Was she pissed? And when she picked me up, dude, I think she saw that I was so mad at myself. Like, yeah. I was crying. It really did fuck me up. The accelerating, trying to accelerate through the pole and thinking, like, how I could have hurt somebody, that really, that fucked me up. And my mom, my mom could be a disciplinarian, but she's also, like, she'll let you figure it if, out if you if i yeah i was already beating myself up pretty good she was actually kind of too nice about it, now oh, really? about it yeah. well i mean i'm sure she could see the remorse in your face for sure so she was like oh he's he already knows what he did yeah and then after that i mean i stopped drinking for like over a year after that well what happened because i'm a lot of times when i listen to podcasts and stuff people always tell like the meat of the story and then they're like yeah and then anyway I'm so curious as to how things happen after that. So did you have to, did you just get the DUI? Did you get all seven? If you don't mind talking about it, oh, did no, you no. get hit with all seven charges or so did you have to do like community service? The thing or was, I was like, I, I, I was like, I need a lawyer. Cause I think I could go to jail Yeah, because I did a lot. It wasn't just a DUI. It was a lot of shit. So I got in contact with a lawyer through somebody recommended and, um, I had to give, pay him like $3,500 to defend it, and they got it dropped down to just the DUI, but there was a lot of stuff I had to do, because this guy was like, this dude's like a lawyer, he's a mover and shaker in Atlanta, Yeah, which was cool to go to court with him, because he like knows everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like so nervous about what I did, and he was Your like- Your Honor, how you doing today? Hey, yeah. Billy, like how that. are the kids? He's like that, and he's- um. He was a cool guy. You could tell his moral scruples were, <laughs> were you know, he'd been a lawyer for a long time. So he's like, listen, man, 
don't worry too much. <laughs> He's like, they want the money from the yeah, DUI. Hey, you know what everybody kept saying to me was like, everybody gets one. You get one, okay? You, you fuck talk up about that one. on stage, don't and, you? No, but I, I swear to God, it was echoed. I even feel like the cops were like, <laughs> listen, you get one. The lawyer said, you get one. I was like, why is everybody saying you get one? But I remember he was like, listen, you get one. And keep this in perspective. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm driving up to Alpharetta to talk to one of my old friends from law school. Had sex with a 17-year-old girl, okay? You're doing fine. I was like... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was like, what? But he was a he was a good doctor. And I found out later, I found out later that Andrew Markle, the guy that said I was banned from the Laughing Skull, he's a bartender at the at the Vortex, yeah. the bar the Laughing Skull is connected to. And it turns out my lawyer would go to the the Vortex twice a week and like tie one on during lunch like really go in and throw back two or three yeah he was fucking loose he wasn't judging anybody but he asked me if i wanted to come into the courtroom what he did was he pushed it through the system for longer so it took longer to come through and he was like you never know sometimes they lose records like he was trying to like extend it out for like a year or two and he said in that time to do everything that would be required of me because i would be charged with you he's like they're not going to make it reckless driving you fucked up too bad so it was like i did 40 hours of community service you go to mothers against drunk driving you do the the driving so you had all that stuff before you were even before i went in court i had all that stuff done i had to go do a drug and alcohol assessment and the guy on a scale of one to ten on my scale of being what's the word my proclivity for drug and alcohol dependence he put me at like a six or a seven which i was like yeah that makes seven sounds about right i can stop it if i really need to but if i'm going it's going i'm, I'm going yeah you know what i mean so see i never had that first I remember part. all that i never had the first part the first part the stopping if i really needed yeah to. yeah yeah i once it turns on the only thing that would stop me was jail or the hospital damn like literally every single day wake up do shots for breakfast drive to work Mine has always been if I got embarrassed enough or I went on enough of a – I think the time I stopped before that for a year when I was in college, I like got drunk at this Lithuanian festival and just made an ass of myself yeah. and like didn't – and then I sort of drank my – I sort of blacked out and drank my way through Los Angeles. Like I, I drank at this fucking bar in downtown Los Angeles and then I stumbled through, you know, public transportation and I woke up – in Granada, no, I woke up, dude, way out on a bus in Chatsworth. Like anybody that knows Los Angeles, dude, I was in Los Feliz. I went to downtown Los Angeles, and then I ended up drunk, out of coming out of a blackout in a bus in Chatsworth, <laughs> and the bus driver literally stopping the bus and being like, "Where are you going, man?" <laughs> I was the only guy on the bus. He dropped me off at a gas station, not even a bus stop. And I called a taxi from that gas station. And then I stopped drinking after that. So it's usually after like hard blackouts. I would like, I would like hang up my skates. So then when you went to court finally for the DUI, was everything. I had been not drinking for a while at that point. And then you had done everything. It had been over a year and I got a new girlfriend and I was nervous. It was my first girlfriend, actually. I remember I started drinking just because I was so nervous about having a partner. And it was cool. Like we had a lot of fun and I think we were good about, she was good about drinking and not taking it too far and sort of being like, what are you doing? And so that carried up until when I got to New York 
And then I got to New York and I was drinking. And then did you go, you had mentioned earlier, you were drinking, like doing open mics and stuff. Did you get crazy when you got to New York? No, because New York is good. New York is good in the way that I had grown up some, I still had the shame of that like terrible DUI. Yeah. And the now that was just a few years before. Yeah, exactly. But I wasn't driving. And so I also was pretty committed to not making an ass of myself. So the good thing about New York is like the second you feel yourself over the line, the second you feel like, Ooh, I'm making a bit of a fool. You can just go. Yeah. You can go. You don't have to drive. You can take the train. It gives you time to really think about what you're doing and also sit in it if you feel bad. So the next day you're more prone to like, I don't want to do that again. Well, and you moved to New York for comedy, correct? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so that's the other thing comedy. too. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where you don't, you want to have a good time, but you also don't want to burn bridges in the one reason you came here. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? And I think I was better about having fun with it and not being crazy but even from my roommate's perspective my roommates like didn't drink i was still coming home and like falling asleep on the couch and yeah. like snoring and doing shit like that the drunken you know, snores with, like man. little bottles of little <laughs> bottles of smirnoff and it's hard to be like i don't have a problem when you're like downing a little bottle of smirnoff every night and nobody else is doing that you're like no you don't get it it's just like i'm here to have fun but not to waste money <laughs> i'm here to have fun but not to waste all my money. i used to because oh, my thing was such a thing that I used to I used to get a, the six packs of those minis back in Florida. You could buy Are we them. Are talking airplane this, bottles? Yeah, yeah. The, the, okay, because no, I'm airplane. doing like the little half pint oh, okay, joints okay. that go right in your back pocket. Yeah. It's like a little hip flask. Yeah. It's like a little hip flask. I used to do get the six packs of the airplane one for like eight bucks. You could get a little six pack. Yeah. And I would... So in my Maxima, I had the center console, but then it had like a false bottom. You motherfucker. <laughs> so I'd put all six in the false bottom. Yeah, yeah. And so then when I would be like driving like home or to work or wherever, if I start to feel a little like a little shaky. Yeah, yeah. Just like pull out the false bottom. Ba, 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 ba. Drop go. It. How long have you been sober now? Four years. A little over four years. Nice. Yeah. Are you doing, you did programs? Stuff yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. So I went, originally I went to rehab. Um, and then when I worked the program, it, it was actually relatively easy to stay sober when I was doing the work. But then I just stopped doing the work. Yeah. And I convinced myself I had overreacted by going to rehab. That I was oh, only 26, you did 25. Not. Based on your stories, you had <laughs> not at all. Well, I was only 25 and I hadn't gone. I had been to the hospital twice before for alcohol poisoning, but it wasn't as bad as the last time. Yeah. And I was like, I'm 25. I've got a good job. I was had a girlfriend at the time who later became my fiance, who later became my ex-fiance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I overreacted. And I started drinking again. And then I just could sure. not get more than six months together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and terrible things would happen. And I'd be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And then three months later, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I, I'd yeah. say this all the time, but my drinking was a lot. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Hook with Robin Williams. Of course. But my drinking was a lot like Neverland. That's how I relate it to people in AA and stuff. It's like the further away you get from it, you forget. Yeah, you forget how bad it can get. Yeah, you so like how deep it is. And I, I talk about that all the time because it's like one of those things. That's why I love doing this show because when I talk about it, it's a constant reminder of how yeah. bad it got. Yeah. Because if I don't do this and I just go to meetings and like I, I don't do as much service work as I'm supposed to, I will genuinely, like Robin Williams in that movie, just completely forget yeah. about everything that I went through. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll start drinking again. And it's like when he goes back in the movie, and it's like, oh, yeah. That's real. That's absolutely real. And so it, this has been a total blessing because of that. So when you stop drinking after the DUI, you get to New York, you start drinking again with the girlfriend, and then... 
When did this Scotland thing happen? Was that while you were still in Atlanta oh, no. or was Scotland this in New York? Happened, oh man, that was in high school. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, I thought this was like a recent thing for like Edinburgh or no, something like that. No, no, this was something that happened in high school to me and Max. Well, let's go back in time then. Let's get in the time machine and this go back to high we school. we were at that theater school. Yeah. That was good. And they invited us to do the Fringe Festival in Scotland. So, okay. So it was for Fringe. Yeah. Just not for comedy. No. Okay. It was for a movie... Uh, musical called bad boy the musical when we went my when i went to that school my freshman year i got to go to the french festival to do urine town which was a great place so like we were the only high school they invited back wow two years later i'm a junior and like we get to go back so when people go go. when people go to like fringe and stuff now you're like yeah i'm kind of a a veteran (laughs) no i don't feel like (laughs) i feel like it's a completely different experience i think it's got to be incredible to go as an adult and stand up it's got to be so much fun i just remember the fun i had as a kid and the freedom and it's like wow so what happened how did you how did how did uh, you so end up being asked to when, leave when i was a freshman and i went i was a freshman so i was hanging out with freshmen and you sort of heard titters about you know the upperclassmen has had some drinks last night and they got a little while who cares they're 18 and then when we were going to go when i was a junior some of the teachers were like i'll buy a beer in scotland you know what i mean there's having fun yeah, they're cool. like yeah we can have some fun up cool there teachers. and then we got up there and the kids started drinking like animals like aggressively some of them yeah and then one night i did i got wasted. <laughs> I love how you said it third person person you're like some of the kids like myself like myself i yeah i'm really trying to push away blame when it's like all on me and uh dude yeah it was just one of those things i started drinking and we just went until you know we were not we you know we're fucking high school kids yeah and i'm wasted and i'm trying to walk back into they had to stay at one of the university's dorms. Okay. And I'm trying to, and you got to check in and you sign an agreement with the festival, the high school portion of it that you're not going to drink. And I walk back in stumbling. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And they're just looking at me. And I remember I get to my room and teacher comes out. And he's like, Michael, come out, walk in a straight line. And then I really can't. And then he's like, all right, go back to your room. And then I get pulled out and I get pulled into this room and it's like, like all the teachers, and they're like, "What did you do tonight?" And I'm like, "Nothing." They're like, "We know you drank." I was like, "I didn't drink." They're like, "We know you drank." Uh, you drank. I was like, "I drank. I drank a bottle of vodka with Max Fine." <laughs> like I ratted out. I wouldn't even think, man. I was wasted. And then um, from there, they had pulled in another couple kids, and then from there, they pulled in more kids, and then oh, so everyone's getting tagged. Everyone's getting tagged up, and it ended up being like four, 30 to forty of us end up getting sent home. And we don't get to keep doing the play in Scotland. Oh, man. They canceled the whole trip. So we get sent home early. It's in the news. Wow. It's in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's some headline like, Tippling Teens Ruin Show. Oh, my God. Yeah, Well, there was bad. 40 of you, so it wasn't all on I don't you, know. But. It does. When I think about it, it does feel like it was a lot of my fault. I, I was one that was very vocal, and I feel like I'm the one that I was- That's like why you were in the school in the first place. I was place. like the tip of the iceberg- and I, I've always felt a little bit responsible. They always said it was this other kid that was responsible. And I was like, nah, I think I think I had a bigger hand in it. You're taking credit. You're like, no, no, no. I ruined that trip. Dude, it now, was now that we're talking about it, like, yeah, I just shouldn't drink ever. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> it's like I said a few minutes ago. That's the my favorite part about doing the show. Like, I'll talk to my sponsor sometimes. He's like, when's the last time you were at a meeting? I was like, well, I mean, I did three episodes this week. That's kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just telling stories. Damn, dude. So you... You end up coming home. And did you at that point, because you weren't a big partier in high school, were you? 
in high school, I smoked more weed. Okay. Yeah. So when you came home, you like you didn't. There wasn't like a big like intervention, like oh, we got to talk to Michael kind of a thing. No, it was like all the kids that got kicked out had to go to like a dare program. Okay. Or get suspended. That was it. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah, that's like and the then that same intervention. year when I came back from my senior year, our head theater teacher, the one that put on this whole production, he got fired because they brought drug dogs to school and found a bong in his car. Oh, God. But it was like this open secret. Everybody knew Mr. Blank or whatever smoked weed. But that was the thing. He was like a great theater teacher. Like yeah. we had a great theater program. So, it, you know, the, we had a principal change and the school sort of changed and there was a changing of the guard and it was a lot of things happened at once. You yeah. know, we got kicked out of Scotland and K Kimmel got fired. It was a whole thing. God, man. Yeah. So people in Atlanta like to party, though. Yo, that's, yeah. That's, that's not, that, that goes without saying. I yeah. mean, we've all, hot Atlanta, man. It's Welcome hot Atlanta. Atlanta. It is, but I do think back more about the culture of it. It's like, yeah, we've been getting fucked up for a long time. <laughs> God damn. Well, I've had people on here, like, I didn't start drinking until after I was a senior in high school. Like, I was a senior really? in high school when I started drinking. Dude, yeah. I started drinking because I was in Mobile for my cousin's wedding. I was in Mobile, Alabama. And my older cousins were How old are you? Stuff. Bro, I mean... 12? 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. Something like that. Get and my, some. And my fucking cousins are focused on getting my older brother drunk because he's like, you know, 17, 18. They're like, yeah, we gotta, we're going to get Johnny drunk. And this is a party where it's like, we're in Mobile. We're at this big event hall that's sort of on the water, on the marsh. And for the event... It's a wedding party. They they took this big boat. You know a type of boat that would have a motor on the back? Yeah, yeah. Outboard, by hand. yeah. Yeah. We, my cousins took a boat like that, and they filled it with boiled crawfish. So that's the party. It's us like taking boiled crawfish out of this out boat. Out of this boat? Yeah. It was fucking awesome. And everybody's focused on my brother. And then I go to the bar, back to the bartender who's got a whole keg, and he's just serving drinks for people. And I go up to the keg, and I put a... I put the hose to my cup and I look at the bartender like, huh? And the bartender goes, I ain't telling nobody. <laughs> filled my little cup with Hell beer yeah. and I started, I just got a little, I don't remember it. I don't think I caught a buzz, but I think I did it just to feel naughty. Actually, I think the first time I drank, my dad was wasted with his buddy from the Navy and he had been drinking wild turkey. And I was like, what's that? Can I try that? He goes, you want to try that? You want to try that? And then he that gave me a sip of wild turkey. Ooh. Yeah. And I spit it up in the sink. And I think his, he was like, yeah, that'll teach you to drink. Yeah. He was like, I was like, yeah, you, you it's, did. You it's just gasoline. But it was definitely made me like, damn, that shit is harsh. Yeah. it was. It, God, I remember the first time. But the, see, the reason why it was so interesting to me and like so captivating was I suffer still to this day with, you know, anxiety and depression and all the. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I remember the first time I ever did like shots. I was like, oh. Like everything washed away, and I oh, was like, yeah. "Oh, it's go time." That is something I've, I've realized as I've gotten older, and I don't like saying anxiety or like I've got anxiety because it's like I feel like everybody does. Everybody's yeah. nervous all the time. But I'm like, damn, I think <laughs> I was like, wow, I was really using booze to like self-medicate. Self yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it is cool once you cut the booze out, your brain levels out. It fires. Yeah, on yeah. Different. I because I, I um. 
I was diagnosed, uh, and I have a bit about this, about the whole quirky Gemini. Turns out science has a different word for it. They call it bipolar 2. Oh, you're bipolar 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does that mean? So I have uh, significant mood swings. Oh, shit. So like I, I literally will be on the couch with my girlfriend watching Modern Family, like just reruns, and I'll just start crying. Holy shit. Yeah, or I'll be walking down the street and someone will just be walking slowly and I'll think, I'm going to slam your fucking face through the concrete. Shit. Like it's just I massive. Yeah, it's just, but for me, the problem is like, so like at work, um, everyone jokes about like how Brennan's a rage monster. Yeah. So at work, like it, it all stems from expectations. So if I expect everyone to work as hard as I do and then they don't, I literally have taken glasses before and been like, what the fuck is going and like shattered glasses. God damn. Yeah. God damn. So it swings pretty epically. And like, it literally will go from like me and my girlfriend doing baby talk to her saying something that like, I don't quite agree with to all of a sudden I'm screaming. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah. So the pendulum swings. So, but again, the, the booze was a way that I was able to kind of mask that because yeah. if you just drank enough, if I just drank enough to be numb, then nothing really bothered me. Yeah. And so that was something now getting sober because I, I don't take any medications. So that's something that I've really had to deal with because like you said, everyone's nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say all the time, like, oh, my anxiety is not like other people's anxiety. Like you're nervous to fly on a plane. My whole thing is like, oh my God, I'm late for work. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to be homeless. And then I vomit into yeah, a trash yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's my kind of anxiety. Yeah. But still, being sober has been eye-opening to what triggers certain things. Sure. Because there's sometimes I'll just go to a mic and have a bad set at a mic. You know, join the club. Everyone has bad sets at mics because they're mics. Mm -hmm. uh, comedians don't buy tickets is what we always have to remember. Right. Um, but then it'll just like my head will just start going crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I this was a dumb idea to move to New York. Like, I'm an idiot. Like, I don't have any f real friends up here. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like my comedy's not funny. It's it's made for like very disturbed individuals, and those people don't buy tickets. And like I'll start spiraling yeah, out of control. Yeah. So it's it's good to know what does it now because now instead of drinking, I can just kind of rein it back in for sure. And working out helps a lot. I think working out does help a lot. Help out a lot. I mean, I have to do it. I mean, pretty much every day. Yeah, I work out six days a week. Great. Yeah, two hours a day. It's awesome. Two hours. Yeah. I've uh, I brought down my numbers a bit. I definitely when I'll stop drinking, I'll like start going hard on yeah. something. But now I'm very much into like movement culture and just like I make sure my working out is like it's like 45 to an hour. I make sure I'm in the sun. Oh, that's smart. And I make sure I'm going through like full ranges of motion. I'm trying to like build strength and flexibility and shit. There you go. I got gymnastics rings. I'm trying to be a little fucking gymnast, baby. Okay. Trying to be like American Ninja Warrior. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do like handstands and shit. See, I'm a power lifter. So like yeah? at 34, oh, I'm yeah. putting up 415 on the bench. Out. And it's Ooh, like, what, what's, who is this for? Dude, it's for you. Yeah, right? It's for you. Ah. I realized a lot of the anxiety I feel, it just like comes from fear. And I think uh, your whole life you expect booze to to make it so you have the courage to do things. And, and sometimes it works, but sometimes then you're just drunk and scared. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just disappointed. And I do feel a, an immense sense of accomplishment and an easing of my anxiety if I do things that that I'm scared of. Yeah, and it's... I And it helps that, build confidence, too. Well, that's what I was going to say. I love that you brought that up. So when I first got... Or when I last got sober, I remember there were certain things that before that would just I would just start drinking about. Yeah. So, like, if I got, like, the wrong schedule at work, like, if I got all closing shifts, I'd be like, fuck this. I hate my job. I'm just going to go get hammered. Yeah. So then I would start doing little things sober that I had never done sober before. 
like getting a shitty schedule and being like, oh, that's the roll of the dice. You know, yeah, shit yeah. happens. And then the more I did those things, the more I was able to like walk through those fires sober, the more the the harder the thing I could do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like of it started course. building on itself. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember when I was three months sober, I called my sponsor and I was like, listen, man, if it's going to be working two jobs, going to the gym every day and meetings, like I, you can have it. Like, I don't want this. Yeah. And he was like, listen, you, first of all, you need to do more service work, work with others, and you need to find something you're passionate about. And that's when I was like, oh, comedy. Like yeah. I'd forgotten. And so then I got back into standup and it was so hard doing those first couple of shows sober. When you stopped drinking this last time, did you notice that comedy was a little different? Oh, or? dude, I don't worry about it now, but that used to be a gigantic fear. Yeah. It used to be huge because when I started doing comedy, that was the fun. I would get like lit. Yeah. And then I'd get on stage and be like, ah, this is fun as shit. And it still is. I still think of it as fun in my mind. So when I first stopped drinking, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever be funny. And every time I've stopped drinking, I mean, three times. I think I've stopped and I've been like, I don't know if I'm going to be funny. This last time I stopped, I did not have that fear at all. Yeah. Because every time before that, that I stopped, it was like, I was funny. And I, but I had to check in and recognize that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to check in and be like, hold on. I just killed. And I killed like I did when before, I was, yeah. when I was drunk, maybe even better. And I thought I needed to be drunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Or you, you have to take the time to recognize like, man, I was fucking loose as shit up there. And I didn't drink at all. I was just loose. I was just loose because I felt good about what I was doing. So you got to take it to it, but you don't need to drink to be fine. Not at all. No. And that was one of the things that I was nervous about when I got up here was because I hadn't had a drink in three years when I moved up here. So I wasn't worried about drinking, but I was just worried about doing comedy in New York. And I remember the first big show I did, like the first big show I did was at the stand. It was, I was going to the stand all the time and I finally got asked to be on, well, I asked to be on a produce show there. And right. I was like, finally, I'm, I hang out at this bar all the time, you know, and meet comics and stuff. And now I'm finally going to perform here. And it went okay, which is the worst. Yeah. Because if you bomb, you at least can learn from it. And if you crush, you crush. But it just went okay. And I was so disappointed. And then I had the, did the show at the cellar and I was, again, what we were just talking about. I, I was so nervous for the stand, but because I had done a show at a major club in New York, I wasn't as nervous for the cellar. I mean, right, it's still right. the cellar, but right. it's, it's the lounge. It's not, a, you know, you're not in the main room or anything. And I remember I got up there and I said something. And as soon as I said something, somebody shouted out from the audience and I was like, yeah, shout it out. Let's go. And I just it was so loose. Yeah. And I had so, and then ended up doing so well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Dude, sometimes like, that is what you gain. Even if you just do okay on a set, sometimes it's the type of thing where it'll give you confidence later on because you've at least already done a set that was challenging. Yeah, for exactly. You or scary for you. I yeah, wanted totally. I wanted to ask you before we leave because we've got time for one more story. You, we've talked about it this whole time. This is the elephant in the room. You are from Atlanta. Uh huh. The home of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh huh. Oh, the Super Bowl story, <laughs> yeah. dude. Okay. Wait, is this first the twenty-eight for, to three, dude. Yeah, this is oof. It's not even that good a story if I'm being honest. Okay, but I just I'm curious. What are the acts of service you do now? Uh, I sponsor people. I like anything can be an act of service. Really? It's just like, like regular community service. No, well, there. so an act of service is like if an alcoholic calls me, I pick up my phone. I don't ignore it. Right, and right, I talk right. to them. There's a, there's a couple people. I won't say obviously on the podcast because it's you know it's anonymous. But there are right. a couple people I know in comedy that are also in the program and I talk to them about certain things and there's just acts of service are just getting outside of yourself and, and doing something for somebody. I yeah. mean, I no, I just feel like I ask because it's something I feel like 
I'm lacking. And it's something I used to be better about where I would like occasionally volunteer. And like stuff. you coming on here to do the show and what the show's about, I'd consider that an act of service. Fuck yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you're giving yeah. up your time. And especially because, you know, you're past to the seller. You're a very established comedian in New York. Like you don't have to come do this fucking hobo from fucking Jack. I'm glad podcast. I did. This is fun. Yeah. This is fun. Um, so yeah, I like so that we could talk about how bad we fucked up and it is fun, but we're not. We're also not condoning it. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I'm I'm doing a one man show about this right now. If anybody has to fucking go through what I went through, I I wouldn't wish that on my worst. Dude, enemy. when I started drinking again after almost, this past time, after almost a year of not drinking, I was like talking to this lady on a cruise where I thought we were connecting. Where I was like. Yeah, it gets a little wild sometimes. She's like, yeah, man, I, I was doing acid <laughs> on the Lower East Side, being like, where's my fucking car? Like, and I was like, yeah, I know that. I've been doing some acid too. And mind you, I just started drinking after not doing it for like a year. I'm a little disappointed in myself. And then the lady's like, I was like, so uh, can I get you a drink? She's like, uh, oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm sober. I was like, oh, you caught me. <laughs> She like she like caught me with like relating to me about like fun little yeah. like getting fucked up stories. And I was like, she's like me, and then I'm like, let me get you a drink. And she was actually like, actually no, her name's Snow, and she was so cool. And I sort of confided in her about my shame a little bit throughout that week, especially as like my energy because this is my first week drinking again. As my energy just like depleted, yeah, completely and my, goes away. My health just deteriorated. And it's by, so fast. Too. By the end, I was like surrounded by these people in the program that just ended up, we were all talking, it happened organically, and then Snow messaged me like, I wonder if you noticed the trifecta of sobriety that was surrounding you. And I was like, Snow, don't do this right now. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready for this right now, Snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy because... I just know from my experience, only alcoholic, like in my experience, when I talk to another alcoholic, mm -hmm. that's what gets through to them. It's not their parents telling, I tell this story all the time, but one of my, and I tell it to remember one of my closest friends from the halfway house, Tony Betts. He Tony was going to, he, he better bet on bets. Uh, he was going to get sober for his parents because he was doing heroin and he was stealing from them and he felt like shit. So he was going to get sober for them. And then it couldn't, he ended up relapsing. And then he got together with this girl and he was going to get sober for her. I'm going to stay straight right. for her. And then he just couldn't. And then she got pregnant and he had a son and he was going to get sober for his son. And then, uh, before his son's second birthday, Tony died. God damn. Yeah. So I, I think about that all the time because it's like one of those things where it's like only people who have been through that kind of that. And like, I almost died. And like people who have been to that level of like, Oh no, because you like to have a couple of drinks with your buddies on the weekend. That's like, we're not the same. Cause yeah. all people come up to me and like, Oh, I'm so long over. I think I have a problem. And it's like, no, there's like, a gene, bro. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> there's like I, a gene. I don't think you know what it means to have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like I almost died. One of my closest friends can't raise his son. That like, yeah, that's a problem. It, I mean, <laughs> texting for, your ex-girlfriend is shitty, but not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it is something that I haven't like totally made my peace with yet when I think about it too. Like I don't claim like I'm an alcoholic, but I'm pretty sure all the evidence sort of <laughs> points. Like, points points to well, it. Well, it's it's up to and that's and the point of telling that story is it's up to every individual. Like yeah, you yeah. have, I have to recognize that I'm no one else. And it says it in the big book and all the literature is like no one can tell you you're an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to understand it for yourself. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. It's something I. Uh, I grapple with just try to live well. Yeah, just do the right thing, man. Just do the right thing. So you want to hear the Falcons? We got it like two minutes. Can you do it in two minutes? I can do it in two minutes. This is a fast story. All so right. the whole point was, 
Uh, for the Falcons, when we lost to the Patriots, this was just a bad drinking story because I feel like I let my friends down, <laughs> but in like a fun way. There's a, where I was there's like, a common threat. Dude, <laughs> nobody gets hurt. That's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> I let them down. <laughs> I, um, so the Falcons are playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and it's the first half of the game, and we are blowing these motherfuckers out. Blew the and doors off And it's going them. nuts. We are fucking... Oh my God, we're stoked. I'm at this party. I'm drinking. I'm having a great time. And we get to halftime and Lady Gaga's on the screen. I've been the pace car all night. I've been the guy leading the charge. I'm like, we're getting fucked up. Falcons in the Super Bowl. Ooh, woo. They're winning the Super Bowl at that point. Last thing I remember <laughs> is Lady Gaga doing the thing where she jumps off the rafters. Yeah. And then I woke up. Nobody was in the house. All the lights were off. And I pulled out my phone and I see, I'm like, let's see how much the Falcons won by. And the Falcons had lost. The Falcons had lost the game. Now, I did not watch live what happened. I didn't see the second half when Tom Brady fucked us up. But what I heard was that my friends, I passed out. And then my friends became convinced that we were losing because I was asleep. Oh, God. Because I was the pace car. I was yeah. leading the charge. So for the rest of the half, the second half of the game, they're just like smacking me in the face. Trying to get you awake. Me. Yeah. yeah, putting ice on my balls. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. But that's the story. The yeah. Falcons lost the Super Bowl because, because I have you a passed problem. out. Yeah, because yeah. I drank too much. <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> Plug everything one more time for everybody listening. Michael Roland O underscore O on Instagram. Going to be at the Laughing Skull Lounge in Atlanta November Thanksgiving. after Thanksgiving. Um, other than that, you can see me at Laffodils, my show I run first and third Mondays in Brooklyn. Okay. At Sycamore Bar and Flower Shop in Flatbush. We start at 830. Uh, com or MikeRoland.com. Love it. Thank you again for coming on, man. Yeah, this is great. This is so much fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, at Brennan T. Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. Um, and then, uh, yeah, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash Brennantastic. Do the Patreon. Get Absolutely. your merch, man. And listen to In the Mini Vampod. I forgot yes. about that. Please. Um, we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. That was great. That was super fun.